about that time, about that time, about that time, yeah, about that time. Welcome to the jungle, the Auburn men's basketball podcast. And pick it up right where Kessler left off, it's Broome with the block. Auburn men, talking Auburn men's basketball. We missed you, the jungle is already in mid-season form. No feelings, no gimmicks. Just ball. Benny Johnson in transition. Now, here's your host, Matt Donaldson and Jackson Garrett. All right, we're coming off a big upset victory away at LSU. We beat them by 18 points in Baton Rouge, 67 to 49. We held them to 49 points in their own arena. Man, I've been calling these upsets, these away wins, but we're really starting to string them together. Ben, I know LSU might be one of the worst teams in the league this year. They got beat pretty bad by Bama, I think by 40 at home, but we would have beaten them by 30 at home if we're doing our whole 10-point home little streak here. But man, it was fun to watch. It was just super nice to get an away win like that, that usually these away wins are very uh, irritating and aggravating synonyms for frustrating, but we won and we won handedly and we never really, other than maybe like a little run at the beginning of the second half, uh, it really kind of just stayed on top of them the entire time. Looked smooth, looked like the better team the entire half. And that's what we want, man. It, and give this team some confidence, get this team rolling momentum wise through this schedule. And you never know what could happen. Absolutely. Uh, a couple things to follow up. First time in 10 years, Auburn's hold, held an SEC team under 50. That goes back to a win over Alabama in 2013 that I believe a certain Heisman trophy winner was attending that I was at. I remember that game. And then um, the biggest uh margin of victory in baton rouge for a basketball game since 1958 or tied the record ever actually and 19- for auburn or for any team? For auburn, for auburn. okay about to say that is, either way still super impressive that, so, that is just great man that put us back in that uga mindset we didn't think we might we thought we might not win an away game all year long now we've strung two really nice performances together confident performances with guess this good three-point shooting a couple games in a row now, I think. Maybe at least three. We need to look at the stats, but three or four games in a row, our three-point shooting has really come on. And Bruce said that in some interviews that he thought we could shoot better than we're shooting. He's, he, I mean, he's talked about it all offseason. He talked about early season that our three-point shooting is not going to be great this year. But when we were really down late at a conference, early SEC, he said we can shoot better than that, though. And, man, this team's a completely different team when the three position is bringing some productivity and when the threes are going in, even if it's right tonight was 33%, you know, that I, I always use 33% as you're a good three shooter. If you hit 33, you're like, okay, at 30, anything below that, you're not great. Hey, we hit 33 tonight. So that was a good performance. And it was on the road. So what would that even been at home, you know, so that that's just a ton of fun to watch. Well, and it just, again, I keep pointing out multiple guys hitting them, right? It, the, the nice thing is six guys hit a three tonight on the road. Um, Katie Johnson, Lior, we'll get to Lior, Wendell. Jalen, Zepp, Flanagan. So, again, Zepp Zep started us off with that three to start the game, and, and I think Jalen hit the second one. It was really kind of uh, indicative of how this game went, with starting the threes like that, and another game in a row where you hit a couple of those early and the whole game opens up. But we can't bury the lead here. Uh, you, We had a great conversation about what was this? what is this team? What are they? Um, there's a lot of really good defensive teams in the SEC, but make no mistake, Auburn's one of them. LSU shot 29%. They shot 20% from three. You can say it's lucky or whatever. I just, I don't know what to tell you. Every game, the other team doesn't shoot well from three, and I'm not smart enough, but I know there are certain things we're doing, especially for certain teams. We're playing them certain ways, and it's working so far. So um, credit the defense. I thought holding that, you know, LSU is kind of in a rebuilding weird year. They got killed by uh, Alabama, like you said, but um, look, you hold a team under 50 on the road. It just opens up a lot of margin for error. And we'll talk about the stats and stuff, but just a really clean, confident, solid win. And I, the the big takeaway for me, besides the 18 point win and the winning streak and all that, didn't it just feel like our, that, that it factor that we've been kind of wanting to see, not the score, not how much we're hitting threes, but just like, Guys were really locked in on the scout defensively. There was a lot of good, um, you know, it's easy when you're winning, I know. But the camaraderie looked good. It looked like the depth, I don't know. I just, I thought 
maybe these guys are starting to settle in. You always talk about the roles. Maybe we're starting to find a little something here with everybody's roles. You know, we looked at the schedule and knew uh, it was, you know, the front of the schedule was going to be the easier games, the games we needed to win. So the back half of the schedule we could weather. And, a, and we would say a good team would be doing what they're doing right now. We didn't know for sure if we had a good team or not. Let's keep rolling like this and we'll have a good team. And when it comes to Tennessee and Alabama and maybe Kentucky, we don't know if Kentucky, if Kentucky doesn't look that great. Either, so the back half doesn't look as hard as it did before, but you know, some Texas a and coming up a bit, but yeah, just keep rolling like this. And you're considered a good team. This is what a good team does against LSU on the road. Even if LSU is not great this year and they are rebuilding and we're good, we did our job. And a lot of teams aren't doing their jobs out there. Though. We saw that I think majority of top 25 teams went down this last weekend and we didn't. And tonight we went on the road to Baton Rouge in a game that could be a funky little, you know, you kind of miss a couple of shots early and all of a sudden the game's uh, competitive and we didn't. And we just did our jobs and we look like a vet team out there doing our job, which has not always been what we look like this year, but we are kind of putting them together now. Well, and and you, I think hit it. there was really one point in this game. I think Auburn was up 15 in the first half. It was an 11 point halftime lead. You always feel pretty good up double digits at halftime. You know, I know on the road it can get dicey. Well, it got down to two within three or four minutes. They they hit us with a little run. They changed up some of their defenses. And for Auburn to respond, I, it was at least a 12 to two run right after that, where they just stretched that lead out. They hit some big shots. They I think they forced a couple turnovers. Um, Really good to see that, like you said, the veteran presence continue to kind of come through and looked like a bunch of our guys just looked really comfortable and maybe LSU is really bad and we'll, that'll bear out the rest of the year. But like you said, every road wins valuable. We need every road win we can get. And we're just, we're a third through the conference season at five and one and we're hanging around and that's all we wanted. Well, uh, I had an interesting situation for this game. I just assumed that if I missed the first half, and got back. I was had some plans. I said, all right, I'll just watch it delayed by like an hour. I'll turn on the app and I'll just tell start from the beginning and I'll just fast forward through the commercials like you used to in the TiVo days on that. Guess what? With the ESPN app on your phone, on your TV, on your Roku, on your laptop, none of these three options will allow you during a live game to start from the beginning. They won't even allow you to stop the game on the app or on your TV. They do, at least on your computer, you can at least stop the game, which is also ridiculous that you can't do. So just so you know, if you ever try this on ESPN, you can't do it. So luckily I watched the second half and then I went back and watched the first half. And I know Matt had some issues too. So this MVP discussion, we're going to try our best here. Yeah, some of these MVPs, when it's this close, you know, too bad it's another one that's really close, really great team effort from everybody. So we're going to have to kind of like, you know, split some wood here and figure out who we think the MVP is. I think maybe the top three for me is Jalen Williams, Wendell Green, and then just for fun. And I think Ben's already put it out there on social media. And he was a corner three away from being in real discussion. Lior Berman, the orange socks with Lior Berman, the Lior Berman that saw the meme in real I posted on Instagram today, liked it and then had the best game of his career so far, or at least in this, uh, you know, this season. So I'm just saying, maybe I should post a Leo or meme every time. Maybe it'll uh, motivate him. Maybe. Um, look, he, he played 16 minutes. Uh, he played more minutes than Trey Donaldson, than Johan, almost as many as Cardwell, almost as many as Zepp Jasper. He was on the floor a lot. Now, granted time and score, he got to play maybe a little more down the stretch. Um, but I, the thing I love about Lior, he is just, there, there's a certain confidence I think that comes from his background and how like good of a player he is bef- like before Auburn and some of the Israel stuff that we've talked about when he gets out there. I mean, we ran a, we ran a great action for our three guy out of a timeout and, and he could have passed it to broom and he hit a little runner and got fouled. Uh, he did the, the same thing the other last game he came in, he was open. It, there is not that fear that sometimes players who don't play a lot have of like, Oh, should I, should I shoot this or not? When he's in there, he's ready to play. He got big rebounds. Um, I, I thought he played great. No turnover, 16 minutes. You love to see it. And he he had several plays ran for him in the first half. He had that really great play where they passed it around and then found him underneath the basket going right past his guy. That was, and it really feels like that was called for him to go underneath the basket. I don't know if they thought, uh, or they saw from some past teams or they just assumed that maybe LSU would look past the walk-on and not see him as the offensive threat that he really is. He hit a three early. He got like right, like another, just maybe another possession or two later. They called that play for him. He got that two underneath the basket. He hit another 
shot, I believe. And yeah, he hit a three point play in the second yeah. half off a foul. That was great to watch. He's just, like I said, one corner three away from me, probably calling it for him. He had a, he had a kind of openish three that it went in. I mean, he would have tied, he would have, or maybe not tied. He would have had 11 points, right? So it would have been close. I'm just a real big Lior stand that just the fact that Chris Moore can be out in our third string three position guy that used to be a walk on is bringing us some really productive minutes. And you look at Flanagan and Lior all of a sudden last year, that three position that we were so irritated about. And even this year, the two positions got a lot more to talk about. I feel like than the three position and you have all three of those guys kind of all three now at different times, giving us production. And, you know, we all talk about the threes later, giving us like, maybe that's what's changed this team a bit. If we can hit three pointers, but maybe the three position just being a productive uh, position is also a big deal. So I don't know if you MVP thoughts on a Leor. Keep gushing on Leor if you want. I, I love it. No, you're right. And we've asked for that. You know, these last two years with Flanagan has just been so weird, right? And we've talked about it way too much on the pod. And um, But you're just getting that extra production. I think we said earlier this year, we just need a couple guys. We just need a couple guys to kind of step up. You know, Flanagan didn't have double digits tonight with eight, but he also played, well, 8.7 rebounds. Um, one turnover. You love to see low turnovers for Flan. That's great. Um and but the two guys to me, it's it's kind of the boring uh if you've watched this team, but it's it's Jalen Williams and Wendell. They they led the team in scoring with 14, but for Wendell, it's probably four assists, no turnovers as the point guard. Um, we only had 10 as a team, which I love. Like I, that's always one of the things I'm I'm really watching for. He did a great job with the ball in his hands. Shooting, you know, wasn't great. He was one for six from three. But uh I just think I, I was really impressed with him and Jalen Williams, who's the other guy. You know, the second half, it just felt like these moments where you're always nervous the home team's going to make a run and come back. It just felt like Wendell and Jalen had the answers in the second half over and over and over again on offense. The defense was solid. The question was, could we keep scoring enough? And we did. And I think a lot of it's because of those two guys. I I think I'm going to head towards Jalen. I feel like he did it in several ways this game. He hit a three-pointer. He went through contact, got a foul call, hit the free throw to get the three-point play. He had some floaters. He had some runouts. He played solid on defense, got three blocks on defense. Love to see it. The block party was back tonight with seven blocks, which is really fun. He was just more efficient than Wendell at times. I know Wendell's uh, factor from the point guard position of being smooth out there and being confident out there can never be underrated. But yeah, Jalen, I just feel like he's really turned something up and he changes things because he's got to be guarded all over the court. And he's a big guy and it's a hard matchup. And as long as he can keep confident, I think that's kind of what we're seeing now. As long as he's confident, the other team's got a problem. Absolutely. And you mentioned the versatility, the lefty, just being a lefty, man, just gives you some cool advantages. Bruce ran a ton of stuff for him in the second half to get him some looks when kind of when the game was getting a little more comfortable. I think just to keep building on his momentum and his confidence and um, but again, 14 point, he led the team with seven rebounds. You mentioned the blocks, a couple assists. He played the most minutes of anybody on the team because Johan is still a little iffy out there. Um, uh, you know, I'm not going to argue with a Jalen MVP. I think that's probably my vote. But to me, the real, you know, the MVP of the game is that suffocating locked in half court defense. This is what it can look like when our team is just really locked in. We win rebounding. We win turnovers. We don't give teams anything easy. I think this is the kind of game we can have. So I, the defense is the kind of the star of the show tonight for me, but I would pick Jalen probably. All right, Jalen, another MVP. I think after this game, I'll, I'll do the math after this game and, and see how many MVPs each one has to see the kind of the race. I think last year Walker ended up getting MVP, and I think most people outside the team would have thought it was going to be Jabari, but Walker actually had a bigger impact at times. Uh, We'll see if it's Jalen or Window. I believe probably both of them are leading right now. Something I thought would be interesting to look at. It just felt like it was a a great win all around from every, like. There's nothing I I'm really gonna complain about at all after after a win last You're night. Not I frustrated, was, Jackson? No, I'm not not irritated or uh, disturbed or any of these synonyms that I looked up before the before the pod. You know, but this one was just so solid in a way. On top of it, you know, it's just this would have been a solid at a conference win at home. The way this felt, it felt like we were playing, I mean, not like one of our bad at a conference teams. I'm trying to think like a South Florida or somebody like that that's at home and they frustrate us more than this. Like I guess that frustrated thing. <laughs> but I thought it'd be interesting to go and, and let you look through the stats here on the side and tell me what didn't we win? Um, 
really nothing. Uh, LSU was one percentage point better. They got to the line a little more than us. Um, but, you know, very reasonably, turnovers was a close win. Rebounds was a close win. We always talk about points off turnovers for us. If we get easy points off of those, you know, some of those turnovers, 15 to 2, that's a big that's a big one. Um, assists, we ha- I don't know if people appreciate this enough. LSU had seven assists the whole game. They only made 17 shots the whole game, but only seven passes leading. That shows that, you know, when LSU was scoring, it was more, you know, isolation. It wasn't necessarily because their offense was carving us up. So that's a great one. We won bench points. We won points in the paint. We won the block party. We won fast break points. We won steals. We won everything. We make one more free throw. We have the, the clean sweep across the whole uh, if you're watching on YouTube we always have this uh, box score posted this is this is basically a clean clean sweep almost yeah it was just uh, that's what it felt like too so it's good to see the stats back that up that just felt like an all-around great victory and maybe we look up I think let's see LSU's 12 and 6 1 and 5 in the conference we might end up seeing you know but I think the below us which was, it was irritating me the announcer was saying this they he's got Alabama super solid number one in the league fair enough I hate to admit that they're playing really well, and I'm really hoping that they don't win this. I'm hoping they are just a little worse than we were last year and that they're just so hot right now like we were last year and that they'll get figured out by the time that we're exceeding, that they're falling. The other issue is that Tennessee's gotten beat by Kentucky at home and not playing quite as well, so they're like, they've dropped them down a little bit. And then it's like us after that, at least in my head, it's us after that. I don't – even when we're playing this well, I don't like. I think we were very solid that we weren't a, a regular season SEC champ. So it's just hard to know who's gonna beat Bama because everyone else doesn't seem like we're quite there. But the announcer was saying solid number one Alabama. Oh, uh, definitely still number two Tennessee, but has they fallen off a bit? Then after that, it could be anything from three to twelve. Or was like, are you serious? Are you watching right now? We're we're no. on a streak. We've like there's clearly like we're clearly above. The majority, you know, you could say Arkansas, us and Texas A&M is the next tier and then everybody else after that. But you can't put us in with the with the rest of them after that. Here, here's a couple of things. OK, we we are we are in the SEC, right? I know you I know what you're saying. We don't feel like this team maybe has the the strength to do that for 18 games. But the the beauty, again, for a game high in Alabama, um, the longer and, it, and if you're Alabama, you're six and oh, right? Uh, I don't remember what our situation was last year, how big of a lead we might have opened up there. But right now, A&M's undefeated, still after tonight. Tennessee has one loss. Auburn has one loss. And there might be somebody else with one loss, I forget. So, like, Alabama doesn't have anything, like, even remotely comfortable at all. So, they look really good. We're the champ until we get knocked out. And I personally think – I mean, I know it's only six games – but I thought Jimmy – I love Jimmy Dykes. I think he's one of the best announcers in, in the business. Um, I noticed that, that he said he, – he basically – not only did he say the 3 through 12 comment, he said, you know, Auburn – maybe Auburn could challenge for number two. And I was like, okay, but we're a game behind number one, and they got to come to our place too. And we had to go there, but, like, I don't know. Like I, we're, we're in the conversation. That's all I wanted. I'm really glad we're in the conversation. But you're right, maybe – this is a classic Auburn Bruce Pearl thing. Like I love the way this is setting up for us. People rightfully so aren't going to believe in us probably most of the way, but we're building a resume. We're getting wins. We're earning some respect. Uh, but I like that. We're not getting, you know, we're not going to be the darling last year. We were a little bit of a darling and we saw how quickly that can change once people start to play you differently and approach you differently. So we're still on that a similar path to that 2019, 2020 Auburn team that we talked about many times before. We don't have the Samir. We don't have the uh, Isaac Okoro kind of ceiling level talent, but we do have some talent on the team. We do have like overall, the lineup is probably more talented on average than that lineup was that team that year really irritated me because I was looking at the standings at the end of the year going Kentucky only lost three games in the sec and was going to, I think they, they, they won the sec that year. I think got canceled after that was over. I said, well, what is the average number? for someone to win the sec is it three is it four is it five and i think it was somewhere between like three and four is that average number i think we had four losses at the end of the year and i said uh just a different kind of year one of these different years where the that the sec is a little more uh, has a little more losses on the other teams we win with that four losses we just happen to have a year where kentucky only got three losses i'm afraid it's going to be like that this year with alabama that we're going to be like man 
we actually ended up pulling this off and only having five or four losses or something. I don't know if that's really, maybe that, that sounds crazy saying it out loud, but like with the momentum and everything, but it just sucks that it might be one of those years where one team is a little higher than everybody else. But we, like you said, we have them at home. You change that momentum around, you get some momentum going, you get them at home with an amazing Auburn crowd. And all of a sudden you split with them. They get upset somewhere else. You never know. By the way, we get them at home first. You have a, you know, not to wish anything, but you, you get an injury, you get uh, some, off the court drama. Maybe your players get in some criminal stuff. I'm not going to get deep into that, but you get distracted by that. Uh, you never know. Their their lead guy. You know, we went through that during 2019, 2020. Isaac Okoro had his injury, and it really impacted the team for a couple of games. Their big guy, whatever his name is, last name's Miller, I believe. He gets hurt for a couple of games. They lose a game or two. All of a sudden, it's a different. You know, the race is on. Bigger than that, Jackson. He's also going to be an elite draft pick. So what might happen if somebody gets hurt a little bit uh, and maybe, you know, it's, it's not cool to play anymore. So um, look, we're not hoping for that. Well, I might be. I was still hoping Kentucky, like we had that Kentucky Tennessee game and, and now it might be a good thing that Tennessee lost. I mean, I'm seeing that, but I was hoping that Kentucky would explode enough that they do start having people sitting out or not caring. They, they have a lot more drama coming out of that program than they've had in the past for sure. I keep seeing quotes and little things about Calipari taking people's cell phones away or Oscar Sheway saying, play the walk-ons if they're going to give me – and he scored like 35 in their last game, 36, I think, and they beat Georgia by like 10, and they were down by like 10 at halftime. I was like, yeah, rely on Oscar Sheway to score 36 every night. He is going to do that sometimes, but if that's your new strategy, then it's not going to work out very well for you. No, um, maybe we're, we'll we'll get back maybe around the sec here but this game was so dominant we're we're like no, I, well let's ranting let's get along in, here you know let's get into a couple of players at least um you know we've talked about the big three uh although well before that I, this i did want to mention this again just don't take for granted what the defense did tonight and you can say it's lsu whatever they didn't score 49 points uh i don't think i don't know if they've been held to that all year um, it's the lowest shooting allowed by an Auburn opponent on an S- in an SEC road game in 12 years. So we did a great job defensively, and then they had droughts of 657, 546, and 626. They almost win an entire half without making a basket if you combine those three runs. So just the defense was just so good. Um, a guy I really wanted to talk about uh, was Katie Johnson. Wait. We definitely helped them to their lowest amount. I think their next lowest was 63, it looks like. Yeah. Nope, like, 60 against Arkansas. So, I mean, it, it's a really good performance. Um, I thought KD looked refreshed and renewed and, like, he was getting his hands on balls. He was getting some steals. He hit He hit two threes. He hit both his free throws. He had zero turnovers. Um, and he looked – he was communicating well. To the very end, he was on the floor almost the, the you know the end of the game when we were kind of winning in a blowout. Um, he was he was even on offense. He he slowed the ball down when we needed to slow the ball down. It was the little things that Katie did. I, I really hope that that's like a little springboard for him to just build his confidence a little bit and play the way he's capable of playing. He sent out a tweet after the game that basically said, "No matter what happens, we're going to stick together and get better as a team." And uh, maybe that means nothing, but I just thought he, I thought his nonverbals were great tonight. He, uh, I mean, we need him to just pick it up a bit. This I was going to kind of go on a little bit of a rant. You know, I was talking about the three position, bring us product productivity. The two positions, kind of, if you look at the whole year has probably actually been the weakest position. KD's just been so underperforming from what we thought he would perform at and kind of what he showed last year. And then Zep has not been the offensive guy. We hoped he could kind of had this renaissance this year. It hasn't been there. But like just between the two, can we please get 10 points a game, you know, and that has not been what we've gotten out of them, honestly. And tonight we got, you know, 13 points out of them, which is great. And we've gotten three threes out of them, which was great. So that's pretty fun. And I, I saw a very interesting tweet from somebody on Twitter today. I wish I remember who it was asking if Leor could play the two position. Well, if KD and Zep keep playing like this, we're fine. You know, you get t- 10 plus, I think, out of the two position between the two, and we're good as long as we're not turning the ball over. We're still hitting an open three or two. But I think it's interesting conversation that Leor, when Chris Moore comes back, like we thought Chance Westry was that, uh, you know, Swiss Army knife that could play several positions. Maybe Leor, if KD or Zep slow down, if one of them gets hurt, or if the, KD just, you know, devolves back again, Leor might not be a two, a bad two position. He can hit threes like crazy. 
He's playing pretty good defense. He's confident out there. I'm just saying, if there's if there's an opening there, I would love to see Leor too if we need him. You well, you know my opinion. I, I think it would very easily happen uh, based on the way the offense works. Um, Leor can be a a just tiny bit of a liability defensively. I think that would be the concern to for him to guard some of the two guys that in this league. Um, I do worry I, about the the high end talent. I do worry about that that we're playing some yeah. of these like an LSU and he doesn't get exposed. But come one of these other games where there's a two guy as a big time guard, they start picking on him maybe. But then again, they pick on KD sometimes. So. Well, and I just know I know Bruce and uh, again you have to look at it holistically. Offensively, you're absolutely right. W- would you sign up right now for 13 points out of the two position every night? I guarantee you, oh, yeah. you would. And I'm saying uh, give me 10. So 13 is great, and so, especially since two of the especially since three of that or they hit three, three pointers, right. which is big because they've not been doing that all year. And that's where we want them from is from the two positions. It's great that Jalen only ever hit and we'll take it from everywhere, but the two position is kind of the guy that we ends up getting a lot of these open looks that have not been going in. But we also have to keep in mind that diva and Bruce just really values Zep and, and his ability as a perimeter defender. And KD has these special defensive ability. You know, he grabs the ball with a ferocity that nobody else does. he, he goes after some things uh, that nobody else does. He So they bring stuff to the table. But you're right. If one of those guys went down, could Leo be a backup too, like he is right now at the three? Absolutely. I think that's great for him. I, You know, it's kind of weird. We we talked about him all during the Israel games. We talked about people over there being very excited about him. We saw last year how he filled in for Alan Flanagan during that conference. He just might have been sitting on the bench. It's like he's a little too talented to just be on the bench. But I don't know where you would put above him. So it's just nice to think that maybe – he can play that role that can fill some gaps and kind of gets more playing time down the stretch. And well, hopefully we don't need him because Chris Moore comes back. I saw that Chris Moore wasn't wearing the sling on the sideline. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that means he's on his way to recovery and Chris Moore, like, you know, I want to be like, look at Leo hitting the threes and to being confident in offense. Chris Moore was looking pretty confident in offense also before he went out. And now Alan Flanagan is looking pretty confident in offense kills me that Alan Flanagan get, didn't get that, Two more points. He got eight points, and we were so excited about He had four games in a row, I believe, with double-digit points. Has eight. He had his chance down the stretch to hit another one underneath the basket, just didn't quite get it. And, man, well, it would have been nice to say five in a row. The factor with him is he got in a lot of foul trouble. He was the one guy that got in foul trouble uh, tonight, and he only played 23 minutes. Eight points and seven rebounds in 23 is not bad at all. Uh, I think people need to look at this as a positive. He was 50% from – from the field, two of three from behind the arc. Like one of them was just a great like jab step, just confident. It was right in front of Bruce. And you could just tell, like even Bruce had a little like, yes, like that's what I want to see. Um, so it, it's a, it, are again, you saying, are you saying jabs? Is that the same as the, uh, where he stepped back, he put in there, step there back, a step back, but then there was, Oh, and a jab step. They, they were playing that one, three, one weird zone. And he had the ball in the corner and there was kind of a guy on the wing and a guy kind of laying off him a little bit, like giving him some space. And he kind of just did one of the, you know, he kind of faked his, his momentum in and then just pulled it back, went straight up, straight up, just swish. Um, He's making his own shots with too, which is really interesting from where he was earlier in the season and late last season. So that step back, usually I would be very irritated if someone took a step back three like that, at least some from some of our players on this team. If KD does a step back three, I'm a little irritated, but also I'm irritated when he doesn't in your face three. But Flanagan's step back three is starting to become a move. He's done that a couple of times now, and it's created a lot of room for him, and he's getting a really good shot, and they're going in. Yeah, so I think Flanagan definitely gets another, like, Plus, you know, in his performance, uh, you know, people might look at the scoring being single digits, but he continues to look just like the guy we know he can be, which is huge. Um, Another game where uh, this is the second game, right, where Broom hasn't really like had to carry the load. Which Can you believe it? Can you believe it from from three or four games ago where we had we're like full on this team is now through Jalen and Joe Nye. And if Joe Nye doesn't score 20 plus, then we're done. So now he's not hardly scoring. And we're hitting all these threes. It's crazy. It's not that crazy. We're still not hitting a lot of threes. We were working everything down there. And we were saying, just don't even shoot a three this game. (laughs) Yeah, there was like, you have to do it. But it felt like that was the move. Never shoot a three unless you're wide open. And we're going to work the ball down to Joe Nye every time we get the ball. And I guess like, I I don't think that's not necessarily the plan anymore. They just have been hitting these open threes. And it's changed the games altogether, you know, from start to ending. It still is, and I'm. You might be able to help me fill the gap here. Did he get a couple fouls in the first half? Because the minute split was much closer, like closer than it's been all year between him and Cardwell. 
and he had three fouls by the end of the game. I don't know if he got in foul trouble in the first half. If, if he did, I didn't notice. But also, I watched the first half uh, without commercials and yeah. through free throws, and that was great. You can bust through a first half without commercials and free throws in like 20 minutes. It's crazy. So um, Card- Cardwell played well also, though. And I know did. they were saying at some point that he was uh, in the hallway injured or somebody came right back out and loved the alley-oops coming back. That I was literally asking that, I think three or four games ago where what happened to the alley-oops we have two guys with good hands I know Broom kind of lives below the rim but Cardwell doesn't and he's hit a couple alley-oops recently I believe his other score was another nice like put back or something so it's nice to just get four points at him every time and it's nice to get great defense at him two more blocks from him well and seven rebounds and two assists in 17 minutes I mean very productive the only shot he missed was a three that he had to take at the end of the buzzer um uh he he's fine like I like, honestly, and this, I love that we have established broom post up as a way we can generate points. We know that we know we can go to it, especially in certain matchups, right? Maybe not against the best players like KJ Williams. And uh, who'd we play last game? Uh, Tolu Smith. Those are tough matchups for Janai. And I thought today, at least the times I noticed, I know KJ Williams had 16 and eight, but he played almost the whole game. And there were a lot of times where broom blocked him. There were a lot of times where he poked it away and, and created a steal. And I personally like seeing the diversity of our offense and how many different ways we're scoring. Like you said, tinkering and finding different things. I think that's a great development for this team. We There's going to be games where Broom, you know, it's 16 and eight and we're going to need it. Uh, but we, it doesn't, the fact that it, it doesn't have to be any one guy, which is what we ultimately need. That's a Bruce Pearl team. You don't, we're not going to be, we're dependent on our 10 guys. We're not dependent on one or two. Last year was really weird for Bruce. And I think this is looking a little more like what he likes to see out of all the deep rotation. I'm trying to get Janai Broom's stats up here. Cause I believe we played him against Ole Miss pretty well when they had less tall players and he scored a decent amount. And I'm wondering if we're kind of just finding that like, we're seeing what the other team has. And we have a lot of guys that are average to good. And we don't have to play, like you said, through a Jabari that's great. So you play through Jabari no matter what. Kind of one of those situations where do you want to have a team where they're so great at one thing, you know it's coming, they know it's coming, can they stop it? And last year, that's kind of what we did. And we just pulled through people and they couldn't stop it most of the year until right at the end. This one might be the opposite way where we don't have one thing we're great at. So every night we can kind of say like, well, you know, Ole Miss is a shorter team. Let's let's try to work it down to Jonai and Jalen and, and try to use our height. Another team might be different to say, hey, they got a big matchup down low. Let's see if we can get some threes on. Let's see if we can drive on them. So it'll be interesting to watch if that's kind of like we're looking at the other team and yeah. adjusting to that. I still think some of this comes down to we're hitting shots now and it completely changes sure. the game when we hit shots and we don't have to work our offense. We don't have to think too hard about creating offense when it's coming right. to us. Well, and think about that for a minute, right? Like, We've talked for years, Bruce, you know, like they call a lot of sets. They call a lot of offense, but they also let it go. I mean, they let Wendell go create. They let our guys move. So think about it. If you're watching this game and you're Bruce, I don't think he's really putting the clamps down on the offense and, and dictating, okay, Jalen has to get a touch this possession. I'm going to force the ball to him. I'm going to force the ball to Janai. Now, we can do that, and we did do that some tonight. I just think you're right when the shots are falling a little bit and when Auburn looks a little more like Auburn and there's some free flowingness to the offense, um, it would make sense that perhaps it's a little less, um, less like controlled, but also I, I love what you said about, can you imagine being an assistant coach? We've gotten to talk to a lot of them, like how much fun they must have both on offense and defense with all these pieces. Like you have so many unique weapons and I think we've really seen that on defense with like how how much can we lock in? I don't know if you noticed this tonight. Like we had such a good idea of who was a shooting threat and who wasn't on LSU. We were completely ignoring about two or three of their players from the outside because they are just not a threat. And that's a small thing. Every team is probably going to do that. I just think it seems like we're just buying into that identity like that we talked about last episode. I was glad I was ready to look up Janai's stats. 19 points against Ole Miss. So I think we believe before that game, I think Ben was saying they didn't have a player that played more than five minutes. It was over 6'8". So we'll be looking forward to that. Uh, Ben's doing a good job throwing these stats out there and throwing out these little uh, graphics with who to watch. So we might start looking at who to watch on defense to say how we think this game's going to go. I don't know if I think we've been trying to 
look at the other teams and at least pick out a player too. I don't know if you want to pick out a player that played great this game from the other team or not. Um, KJ Williams is really good. Uh, 16 and eight in 36 minutes. Uh, three turnovers though. I think Janai got him a couple times. Um, but it was him and Trey Hannibal, who I think has one of the best names in college basketball. Love Trey Hannibal. Little ball of hate a little bit as a reference that I probably shouldn't have said on a basketball podcast. But um, he had, you know, he only made three shots, but got to the line all the time. He's a little like KD, just a small, muscly guy. But you take those two guys out, they had 32 of LSU's 49. So, I mean, just no, um, I, I don't know. Like, I believe this is right. Oh, yeah. So Trey Hannibal comes off the bench for them and plays like about half the game. Everybody else off the bench had one point. So not having that depth of scoring. So those are the two guys that stood out to me. Um, KJ's really good. And we did a nice job limiting everybody else outside of him. Uh, I know there's, I don't know if you have any more things you want to talk about this game before that I want to say real quick. PM me, my genitals said Leor Berman should get the sixth man award. And I agree. Maybe we start doing a sixth man award. If we have these, some of these games where the MVP is kind of even, and we need to give an extra little star to somebody like an upwards Leor Berman gets that sixth man. Uh, AU bear agrees with them. Matt MCT says Jalen Williams. Uh, you know, so it's just fun to see everybody online talking about it. I don't know if Twitter, Instagram said anything. We might start putting it up for these tight ones on Instagram and Twitter. Follow us on those. We're, pretty communicative on there especially shout out to ben he's been really working hard on the socials and putting up cool graphics and cool stats so if you like all those let ben know because he's been he's been really into it and it's been really cool to see him do that i like the um i like the six-man idea here's a question for you if chris moore comes back and starts again which that's a whole separate conversation if that would happen um and flanagan's coming off the bench is he eligible for the sixth man oh of course yeah whoever's coming off as the sixth man even if he's playing like any bench player, any bench player. It's just how it is. Okay, okay. And I, okay. That, I think this will be a really interesting – we'll be watching that. That's a great point that this could be a situation. When we talked to Bruce earlier in the year to start the year. Go back listen to that one. Super interesting. We try to keep everything, like, high level so it's still interesting. And ask him about how he really likes to stick with his starters. He rarely ever changes his starting lineup. Uh, I think the only one I can even really remember is when Samir Doughty was uh, struggling in that Final Four run year. And he changed in Malik Dunbar, and then he put Samir back after a couple of games. But other than that, I really don't remember any starting lineup changes. And uh, this will be interesting. Sometimes I wonder if it would be easier for him if there is something like this, an injury. And then he can say, well, playing playing so well, I couldn't not keep him in there. Hey, and Chris Moore's still coming back. And then all of a sudden, by the end of the year, it's just like, well, you know, Chris Moore was still coming back. And we've gotten a groove, you know, so. He says he's not funny about it on the podcast. That he he acted like he had no idea what we were even talking about when we said that he doesn't like to change the starting lineup. But we feel like he does. Well, and it you know either way, Chris Chris was already playing less minutes than playing again. It's a good bit of the time, so it really doesn't matter. But it does feel like if especially if Chris is out for a couple weeks more, you know, like Flanagan's really kind of getting in a well, group a little bit. Here's something else we talked about with that is that we you when you have that next rotation come in after the starters, you don't want some big drop-off. And we already do have a bit of that drop-off we have in past games, at least, when Trey Donaldson comes in and Cardwell comes in and KD, KD comes in and it just Johan and it just looks nowhere near as natural. I think we really see that, like, we really appreciate that Trey Donaldson's come in and give us solid minutes, but the offense is different. The distributor is not there. The guy that, that feels confident driving in is not there to kick it out, you know. So it is a big difference, and maybe you do want Flanagan out there if you feel like he's more confident, especially the way he's been playing the last couple of games, just to lead that second platoon of guys. Yeah, hopefully we have that problem. I'm, I'm hopeful, especially like you said, I'm glad Chris made the trip, um, and you know, no sling is good, and hopefully we'll have him back soon. Um, any other? We we bragged. I wanted to make sure we bragged on Cardwell. Um, any any thought? I continue to brag on Trey, like you said, like. Don't underestimate turnover-free minutes from a freshman backup point guard. I don't care how much he scores. He had four rebounds. He's a tough kid. He's he he tries really hard. His effort level is great. Um, I, and no turnovers. That's all we want. We just don't want to melt down when Wendell's on the bench. And so far, so good for him. And then Johan hit a really weird-looking shot. Jackson, he made a shot. Hey, good good for Johan. He had another three. He tried to shoot. And I was just. I mean, every time he takes a shot, which is really rare, I just hold my breath, really hoping this could be the moment. 
this could be the moment that turns him around. He gets some confidence. We find some position for him. I really think what he could do if he didn't look so lost out there, maybe I just misunderstand the four position. I feel like Chuma could do this more. Just like bang on the boards, go get the rebounds, go get the putbacks, do what Chris Moore does out there. Go get some alley-oops. We're missing from last year that Cambridge guy that can fly in from the wing and get some alley-oops or put back dunks. And I think that's it. He looks athletic out there. He looks really athletic. He looks bigger and stronger than most players out there, but he's not crashing the boards. He's not dunking the ball. He's not cleaning up these little twos. And then maybe it's because he's staying out of the fray because he's not confident, but I would just love to see him fly in the way, the way Jalen Williams did in those last couple of games, his freshman year, where I'm, I'm starting to think I'm hoping that's the trajectory now. Like that looks worse than that trajectory, but Jalen Williams didn't play until like the last like three or four games of his freshman year. But he, when he came in, it was like lightning. You could tell he was raw, but the athleticism was crazy. I think this very first game, he threw the ball off the backboard to himself and dunked it. He did that because he didn't know what to do. And he freaked out because he had the ball and he had like picked up his dribble, but it worked out. It was awesome. Just do some stuff like that. Just show some glimpses. That's what he was trying to do on that, uh, most world's most obvious charge a few weeks ago when he started from midcourt dribbling and like just try anyway he uh he did steal a rebound from cardwell though that was some impressive uh and it led to a turnover so now johan like the only thing i would say to my elementary eye is it does seem like when he's in they are doing more four out offense like jalen i think when you see him in it's a it's a mix right sometimes they're getting the ball in the post sometimes he's screening and rolling out to the three-point line um and that's kind of our four is versatile right Chuma and Jabari we know the drill but it does seem like when Johan's on the floor a lot this year that he's in the corner or he's on the wing and we're running a little bit of a different offensive set maybe just for his comfort I don't know if that's all him would be my only point and I don't know what they're telling him maybe they're telling him to be somewhere else in my head if I'm that player and I feel raw and I feel uncomfortable Every time the ball leaves my fellow teammates' hands towards that bucket, I am sprinting in there to try to get that cleanup. I am saying this is where I can it. And we we see it from some of those guys. We see it from Chris Moore and we see it from Cardwell. They are like they they know that's their position is to play hard defense and yep. get any rebound they can. And they get them. Johan, yep. I don't see him in that fray. And all it takes, we saw with Leor too, even. Yep. He is Leor has gotten these little funny rebounds and steals and things because he's just in there being a nuisance and half the time the ball just bounces your way i don't see it bouncing johan's way because he's not in there in the fray he's kind of out there somewhere so that's a long johan we're going to keep talking about it because if the any minute that he gets something together it's going to be a big deal for us if we can just Mm -hmm. get some sort of small production out of him uh you know you're talking about trey saying your last point i want to have with trey is he's quiet right now and we're not really talking about him that much because he's just solid man for a backup point guard that's exactly what I want. Backup freshman point guard when our number one plan didn't work out. Amazing. And put your head back in two guys. McCormick, during that 2000, I think, 18, 19 Final Four run, we, the majority of the year, we were holding our breath when he was in. We were saying, let's weather it until Jared Harper can get back in. And part of that's because Jared was so good that it was a big drop-off. But also McCormick was uncomfortable and had a lot of turnovers and did not look good out there. And the offense could not get going. At least Trey is bringing up there with pretty good confidence and getting the offense going, even if he's not, you know, creating a lot of great plays for us as teammates. And then let me give you some PTSD. Remember Turbo Williams, right? No, Turbo no. Jones. Sorry, Turbo Jones. Oh my God, <laughs> like that did not go well at all. That's what we are afraid of. A chance maybe that like the mentality will break. And, and shout out to Turbo for doing well at South Alabama. I believe he's still doing well over there, but. Man, it was a disaster when we thought Turbo was going to be our backup. I think it was a 2019, 2020 year. It was just not good to watch. Not just where you not you weren't just holding your breath. You were actively like closing your eyes and turning away from the TV. Well, we got to finish that story because we're in Baton Rouge. Uh, I believe it was in Baton Rouge where I most clearly remember McCormick struggling. It was an early conference game. He He had come out of a small, like, it was just a huge jump in competition for him. And LSU was doing this pressing, like they just jumped him. I mean, they really attacked him as part of their game plan, and it was rough. Um, but but you got to finish the story, right? Like McCormick goes on to say, like he he's unbelievable. If you haven't watched the highlights from that Final Four run, like unbelievable in the conference tournament and in the in the tournament run, and then the next year he was such a good. I was at that game where he just literally 
was it LSU? They might have been LSU. Yeah, it was LSU. You, you were just, there, and we were down, what, nine points with like a minute left, yeah. and we just – Three, 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 three. Oh my, that was one of those exciting, like that, that's one of those games that, you know, we talk about the big games that really matter, the elite eights and things like that. But some of those games, they'll only matter if you were there or if you were watching it, but that the excitement level of the comeback, it's the reason we have to watch every single one of these games when you're down 10 with a minute left and you know, you're going to lose. Well, Hey, one in a hundred times, you have an amazing comeback. That's just like one of the coolest things I've seen. So maybe Trey, you know, like with all the young guys, you're right. There are concerns, you know, do they leave? Do they develop? Do they get develop a little bit of an issue? But guys, they do change. They do grow up. They do get better. Um, so maybe, maybe Trey will have a similar thing. I, I think everybody needs to appreciate. You're right. He, he was, you know, plan C or D probably to play point guard this year. And uh, kudos to him. He's, he's and, and, and not to rant too much about McCormick too. If you go back and watch his March Madness run, and you watched the next year, you'll say, oh, yeah, that's McCormick. He's he's doing exactly what I think. Before the SEC tournament round, and it's a tournament round, he had not really shown much of that. He had not shown a ton no. of that. And then he came in, and Jared had some foul trouble in some of those games, was tired in some of those games, hurt even maybe in some of those games. And for McCormick to come in and hit a bunch of shots and really get the offense going just blew our minds and is a huge reason we got as far as we did. It's the classic Bruce Pearl thing. I mean, I, I just, I can't, I know you can't just give it's credit to Javon first and foremost, but um, he, he, by the way, he, he got much better. He got more settled as the season when it was the first few conference games, as I remember it, that he was really above his weight class a little bit. And then he got a little, he got solid, right? He, he became a solid player. He wasn't hurting us as much. And then, like you said, he got a couple moments in big tournament games with Jared in foul trouble early in the first half, and he just rose to the occasion unbelievably. So, um, have we have we been boomed this year? Really, I guess maybe that USC game and the other games that like clearly the other team had figured something out and was pressing us, and we just could not figure it out. I Memphis? mean, there was some. There's been games throughout these. Maybe Memphis just started killing us in the paint, and we couldn't figure it out. Maybe that's the one I'm thinking. But even about. Memphis, I mean, yeah, both those games, Memphis were down six with a minute and 15 left i mean like it wasn't a it wasn't a beat down we have not been really beat down at all because i think our defense is going to be good enough like i've been saying to keep us in i think almost every game i kind of forgot about the memphis game for a second because the georgia game was so bad i forgot this kind of three games in a row like that's man what a turnaround you want to talk and, uh and as bad as the georgia game was jackson we were down four or six points that entire second half and we just couldn't help ourselves enough to like get over the hump so and georgia has turned out to be a much better they have an actual coach now shout out tom crean sorry not we'll great here. for us not great wish, for us the minute wish, the minute uh, yeah. the minute they still recruit from us because they get a little bit because it's yeah. just like alabama it's just like georgia when you're like the home state school there's yeah. that extra bit where they just the, the uncles get involved everyone at your school gets involved and all that and we you lose a guy just because there's a little momentum with mike white and all of a sudden we lose a four star or something so but, i just gotta hope they stay down <laughs> but you know what i'm saying like it feels like we've had some really rough moments this year and we have i mean it hasn't always been pretty but the results kind of say the worst this team has played all year has been, you know, 10 point loss, a five point loss, like, and, and we turn it over a lot and we make some stupid, you know, defensive mistakes and we can't hit a three. And if all that happens, we lose by five or 10. Um, I, now we're going to play better teams than we've played all year, but I don't know. I, maybe, maybe we're, I don't know. Do you think we're better than you and I think we are? Because I think you and I have a very realistic I, view of this. I don't know. I, I hope they prove me wrong. I, I do wonder if as down as we were after the Georgia-Memphis losses, we were too down. Yeah. And this is just being a fan podcast, guys. We're fans. Yeah. You're fans. Everybody on this is, this is a fan. Uh, we were too down after that thing. We'd never win another away game. We're probably too up right now When we, in a part of the schedule we knew was a very winnable part of the schedule. So we'll see how uh, – upset i get when we play the alabamas and the tennessees and maybe even the texas a&ms and some of these other teams that have a little more talent that aren't rebuilding after they got blown up by the NCAA. i think what scared us is how low the floor can be though like when we're we saw some really bad like stretches of basketball there where it was like oh i thought we had like veterans and i thought we had all these guys you're right you're right we we ride the roller coaster probably as much as anybody else so Let's look around the SEC a bit if you want to look up that schedule there. Yep. 
look up the SEC. I know I saw that Texas A&M pulled a one-point victory against Florida. You know, I don't think Texas A&M's legit or is two-point victory. I don't think they're legit. I don't think it's going to be an issue. But you never know. And any little loss, it helps, you know. And and another one, like, we're talking about confidence. They keep winning, and they come in our house. You know, I think the last home loss in Auburn Arena, Neville Arena, was to Texas A&M a while back, I believe. I'm not sure if I'm totally correct on that. But I know they've had our number in Neville Arena. Yeah, um, Buzz Williams is a great coach. I mean, I, I'm really annoyed at how many good coaches there are in this league now. Um, that is a danger. They again, they're going to defend you. They're going to play super hard. Um, I think that's a good matchup. You know, I like playing teams like that with this kind of team we have at home, especially. But that's uh, that's a week from now. That's next Wednesday. So that's a huge game. If Auburn wins at South Carolina on Saturday. You're going to have at worst, you know, six and one Auburn versus five and one AM in the conference standings at, at Neville Arena next week. So go ahead and be getting ready, everybody who's close to Auburn or has season tickets. Like that's that's the game of the year so far, you know, at Neville Arena next week. Here's an example of how much we might be getting ahead of ourselves with what schedule we're on. I think the last five games and the next game we're going to play, we're all against the worst teams right now in the SEC. Uh, the bottom from the from the bottom to the top is from the rankings right now is Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Arkansas. That was our schedule <laughs> over the last five games in the next one. And so they're all at the very bottom. That's part of that's because we won and they didn't. It's that's why the in the games really right now, there's not that many games in the league. So one or two losses, big deal. But classic uh, muscle men, Arkansas starting the SEC one and four. I don't think they're going to dig themselves out of this one because they have some star players that have gotten injured and are out. But Man, they dug, they dug themselves out the last two years. It'll be really interesting to watch and see if they can dig themselves out again. What do you mean, though? Arkansas started the last two years uh, in the SEC really badly. I think they, they didn't started win and Well, they didn't win it, but they went to the Elite Eight. So we'll see. But and they, they can both, still do that. They're 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 ranked as a higher seed than us. Well, the, it, both those years, too, they got hot at the end. They didn't win the SEC or anything, but they were breathing down our necks in the last like game or two. So. We'll see if that, that can that, still happen. You're, we'll see if they are, get hot. You know? Y'all, people are too far down on Arkansas. I'm not, I'm not going to be that. It's just classic. It's just classic that like they have the talent the last couple of years and and you, they still have a chance and they just start off so bad in the SEC. I don't know what the deal is three years in a row. Uh, it is weird. Uh, and you're right. That's a good, it's a good point. But I would say Georgia's three and two in the league. Uh, Florida's three and three in the league and almost beat, you know, A&M tonight. So those were decent. You're right. We we know the front end is is easier. Um but that this is what we need to do. We just need to keep so we got the big road win, right? And now um you know, South Carolina's really been struggling. They had that their only win was in Rupp, which is just weird in conference. They're 8 and 10 overall. They've had, you know, they're kind of a new coach, they're rebuilding. Um man, now Auburn has put themselves in a position what a huge opportunity to sweep the week on the road. They're going to be in a, a top 15 team if they win Saturday. They're going to break the all-time consecutive ranks, you know, ranking uh, in Auburn history next week. Monday, Monday, right? I think we yep. said it incorrectly on we the did. podcast. It was yep. a week off, but man, I hope they have like a, a graphic or something they show in the in the stadium. I know they will on the social media side, but I'd love to have that up somewhere and people be talking about in that game and give that Texas A&M game just a little bit of extra. Or it won't even be Texas A&M. It'll be South Carolina this weekend. That's all we have to do now, right? Right. South Carolina. Even if we lose South Carolina, theoretically, probably still, as long as it wasn't like some ridiculous blogs. We're number 16 right now. We just got another win away. So You would think. Uh, let's not. Don't don't, uh, don't hold your breath with Auburn, though. We should have been number one a week earlier than we were the last time because we're Auburn. And they, you know, that name doesn't give you the cachet that some other, other names give you in college basketball. So looking ahead again, just just to go over the. Uh, so it's Alabama's undefeated at 6-0. and A&M's 5-0 because they're uh, they're not in the Big 12 or a big, uh, yeah, big 12 SEC challenge. So they're a game behind. They'll catch up. Uh, Auburn and eight, uh, Tennessee are five and one. And that's the top four. And again, the reason top four is important is that double buy in the SEC tournament that you want. And if you're a top four SEC team, you're, you're probably going to have a decent seed in the NCAA tournament. So we've got to move the big 12 challenge up. Just put it the game before the conference starts. Put it late December. Because I just, I would get so excited for that West Virginia game. If it had just been a couple weeks ago, but now that I'm so excited about what's happening in the SEC and, and see all these narratives going on in the SEC, I just really don't care about that game. And I, 
I don't want to lose it because I don't want to lose momentum, but that's about it from an actual, like what's going to impact this team. It's really not, doesn't have much impact, does it? Right. No, it's, it's weird. It's a little weird. I kind of like it as a, I don't mind it as a little uh, break, you know, and it's a different just, uh, matchup and I don't know. But, but if you could, would you have put it earlier no. in the year just to give you an extra oomph? I would have put it maybe, maybe even earlier in at a conference when we didn't have a very strong at a conference. But slate. we don't get to pick that. Yeah. I mean, it's the league. So, I mean, talk to Greg Sankey. Um, is that why like, where it's at is because it's a league game or everybody league, plays yeah, the same, so. all, all the, the 10 sec teams that play in it all play their challenge on the same Saturday. And then the other four teams play each other on that Saturday. It's ir- It's very irritating to me. And I thought this was how it was. I thought it was the top team from the year before gets to play the top team from the other year before, but it, it's just, tv matchup so it's always going to be kentucky and kansas every year so they can get that matchup maybe they switch it up if baylor wins the national championship tennessee, or something tennessee's gotten kansas is it, and, is it tennessee kansas now i don't know who it is this year but um well so here's the reason why they wouldn't do it jackson I would just could play devil's could you imagine if we if we pulled kansas into neville arena oh. from the big 12 they would never have they would end the challenge before they put kansas in in auburn you're not wrong um here's why they won't change, move it um if they because of the difference in the leagues now it'll be interesting if that i think didn't we sign something with a different league am i making that up i think i would love to sign something with the big 10 i think that would be super fun and in, in during all this is like kind of a little rivalry going well, they do with it the with the 10. acc they're already taken we can't do that we're not going to get them screw it uh hang on i gotta look this up they afraid that's what's going on they're afraid they say they rather play the acc okay there is going to be an ACC SEC men's and women's basketball challenge. I can't wait till we get to play uh, Wake starting Forest next or year. Clemson. Starting next year, no, but but think about it. We will have a much better opportunity. I'm not get saying a good team. Think, I mean, you got Duke, you got Carolina. We won't get either of those. You might. Um. Well, we might. No. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, Virginia, the rematch. They're gonna do uh, Tennessee, North Carolina, Kentucky, Duke, Virginia, uh, Florida State would would be kind of a fun one. I uh, could see us in there with that, but they've been they've right. been kind of up and down. I'm assuming we're gonna get Clemson year over year over year again. Oh, hope not. Um, Storylines for Saturday. Okay, it, it, when you first look at this slate, we've got it on the YouTube. If you're watching, um, you know it kind of seems like uh, maybe that A and M Kentucky game in Rupp is interesting. Can A and M go into Rupp and win? How about the top four teams all on the road? And they all look a little, you know, too winnable, perhaps. Uh, Tennessee's at LSU. Alabama's at Missouri. Auburn's at South Carolina. A&M's at Kentucky. Do all four teams win, Jackson? Or does somebody fall well, that'd victim? Be a, that'd be a good bet, wouldn't it? Well, yeah. I think Tennessee's going to blow LSU out. They just I think LSU's just might be the worst team in the league this time. Alabama, Missouri, Missouri did pull off the victory against Kentucky, but we know Kentucky's not that great yet. I'd watch that one just because Kentucky, because Missouri can score, and that's a big deal that they could just go off and on a score fest, and Alabama can't keep up. So that might be the game to watch. Maybe that, maybe that's my homer in me, but I think that might be the game to watch. And oh. you know, South Carolina did beat Kentucky, so they at interrupt. So I'm sure if we were not homers, they'd be like, oh, and Auburn struggled. They lost at Georgia, but I think we're rolling some things off here. I hope they don't my words but i think that alabama missouri game might be the upset to watch i think that texas a&m kentucky game is the real game to watch to see if calipari turned it around or texas a&m's legit great great points um i that man how big was that win for a&m at home against florida tonight because if they if they drop that one then you've got to go to rup and to neville arena um pretty 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 brutal back-to-back road trips here for how many losses does kentucky have now uh overall yeah, or just uh, in the SEC. Oh, they're three, they're three keep, and three. They're three, three and three. three, okay. Because I keep cheering for them to just keep getting worse because at any moment they could turn it around and just it would suck, and I would love for them just to implode and have more talks of Calipari to Texas. But the Texas A&M's undefeated in the league. We can't have them like hanging around at the end if things do get wonky. So I don't know what to think there. I don't know I who to cheer say, for. I mean, you're, you're not over-exaggerating. Lunardi had them as very like a, bu- a bubble team basically this week. So, um, you know, 
take that. I don't know if we'll ever win a recruiting battle against them, even if they do things like this, but you just hope that maybe a couple bad losses like that and talk that Calipari is going somewhere. So that all of a sudden opens a little bit of hole of recruiting in the SEC. Well, like that that if they implode enough that we could pull it off in Rupp and it would be, I think, I think Ben was talking about this, that like, even if this year doesn't get us a ring or we don't win the SEC tournament and Alabama wins the thing or something, getting a win in Rupp for the first time since the eighties, that's going to feel pretty good no matter what's happening with this team. You you know, Bruce, you know how much Bruce loves making history. That's a, that's a big old history uh, thing. For Are you him. tempted? Are you tempted to go to, yes. to Rupp Arena this for year? Sure. For sure. All right. All right. We'll have to talk after the podcast on uh, what, what your price tag is to get in that game. Uh, yeah. I would hope maybe, you know, if, maybe if anyone's got tickets through the university through face value, please let Matt know. We would, <laughs> you know, big shout out on the pod, whatever we can do for you. Ian. I, I would say that the uh, the Tennessee game in Knoxville and the Kentucky game in Lexington are uh, possibilities. Still looking forward to that Vanderbilt game, um, you know, with the Nashville Auburn Club and all the people. The, that the Vanderbilt game is on a Tuesday, right? Or Saturday. Wednesday? Saturday. It's on a Saturday? Okay, good. Because I know there's some big events going on with the Nashville Auburn Club. Check them out. We're big fans of the Nashville Auburn Club and the New York City Auburn Club. That's our two favorite clubs. So, so the, the cool thing about the schedule this year, again, I know a lot of you guys are traveling – I don't know if you saw this. They did a little lottery. Um, they opened up some tickets to Jungle student members to go to Columbia this weekend because there's probably a lot. Of, there's going to be a lot of seats open, and uh, they went. They went really fast. So wow, I, we'll see how that works out. I uh, in another sport, I went to Columbia, South Carolina, one time because people do not understand how far these places are. Texas A&M and South Carolina are really far from campus, yep. and people buy them up or their parents buy them up for them. And then on a Friday night, they are selling them for about $2 and you can buy those tickets from them for $2 and then drive to Columbia, South Carolina and sell them to, for a lot more to the people they well, actually want to go. That's the difference. You can't do that in Columbia, South Carolina for a basketball game. No, you can't. <laughs> uh, not this year. So uh, just cool to see go on the road, like this Saturday in Columbia, Saturday in Knoxville, Saturday in Lexington, Saturday in West Virginia. If you're so inclined, uh, if you live up that way, like find the, find the games to go to because um, you know, we're going to start getting, you know, A&M's the next home game. Alabama's not soon, not too far after that. I mean, the home games are about to get really, we're, we're about to test the Neville arena. Um, the, the, the streak, the win streak, and also just the, the allure of how hard is it to come into the Neville arena? And we, we're about to test that in the next few weeks. We were getting some love on Reddit for the, uh, home, home arena with the streak, only Gonzaga ahead of us in that West coast conference. Uh, anything else you want to talk about? Anything in the SEC? Anything in college basketball? No, man. I, I just great. Again, every road wins great. Um, I think we have to be really, again, go back to how you felt that Georgia game, and then tell yourself we're going to be five and one in control of our own destiny to win the SEC again. Um, I'm going to say it. Why not? And if we can just, again, we've talked. Get the momentum. Keep building it up. If we can win this other, again, back-to-back road games, three in a row on the road, I don't care how bad the teams are. That's significant. And then let's take our shots at the big boys as we get to them. Let's hope that the team itself is not getting as ahead of itself as we are. I'm, like, tempted to stop calling these away wins upsets. Don't. Don't change your mentality. Every one of these away wins is an upset. We blew them out tonight. But that was an upset that we blew them out. South Carolina, if we start all of a sudden changing after these last couple of games, away games aren't as tough as we thought they were, we will get bit by South Carolina <laughs> and go down. So these are all upsets. Celebrate them like they are upsets. It, it helps me to think about the big picture because you're right. They don't need to be getting to with the way we play on offense night to night. You better not start getting too, too excited too soon. But I will say this, you know, I'm just excited we're building a resume. We're still like a six or seven seed, and we're, you know, we're, we're, our metric, our, we're up to 15 in Ken Palm, which is awesome after tonight's win. So we're, we're improving our resume. We're getting those wins we, we might need because ultimately our goal, sure, it's to win championships, but we want to be in the tournament every year. And that is a big deal worth celebrating. And every win we get is like another step in that journey. So they've done a great job. You have to respect how well they've responded to that night in Athens that I think everybody in the program was probably pretty livid about the players, the coaches, the fans, everybody so far, they've responded great since then. I feel like during that final four run, a lot of Auburn fans were uh, 
surprised with where are we going? How much are the tickets? Oh, the flights are now this much because we wait too long and the Airbnbs and the hotels and oh, it's too tough to get there because at the last minute take off work and all that. Go ahead and look at the calendar for March Madness. I think this team's going. If you haven't gone to a March Madness before and it's one of your bucket list items that's super fun to go to, you just have to start. You have to be like one of these elite basketball teams that has fans that just expect to make it every year and look at a calendar and kind of get their bosses ready, get their work ready, get their family ready to say, hey, second week of March, good chance I'm going to go to the March Madness game no matter where it's at, you know, especially if it's convenient. So go ahead and get your calendar in order well even if it's just for viewing i mean you know i I, i've got days booked you know uh i've got some vacation days that i will most likely be using whenever we play and you know if you have a situation where you can do that you need to start start getting ready for it because it's uh it's again if you're like us who grew up we we didn't get to be a part of this very often and even if even now because how many years has bruce made it the first year when we kind of limped in and, and lost in the second round uh the final four team the COVID team got robbed and didn't get to play in it. So really back to two. Uh, and then we last missed year. the year with uh, Sharif. And then last year, we've made it three times with Bruce, right? Yep. So it's a big deal every time still. I know I feel like in the end of Bruce's career, the statistics are going to be skewed by that. It's going to be hard to explain to like, yeah, well, one, he started his career halfway through at Auburn. And then two, you've missed some weird stuff because of COVID. So just, and because of NCAA stuff with Sharif, look that up. But <laughs> Anyways, anyway, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're off topic. We, we've but... been going long on this one, but it was just, it's, we're celebrating all these wins and next time we lose, it'll be a really short podcast. But for now, the wins are long ones and uh, man, War Eagle, man. War Eagle, let's win on the road in Columbia. Keep it rolling.